Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 9th of April. Another major setback for Australia's embattled COVID vaccination rollout. In a late-night press conference, Australian health authorities made a bombshell announcement advising the AstraZeneca vaccine should now not be given to those under the age of 50, recommending they get the Pfizer jab instead. The new warning follows an investigation by the European Medicines Agency, who yesterday announced they'd found a possible link between the AstraZeneca vaccine and rare blood clots. This latest development is set to cause further delays for the already bungled rollout of Australia's vaccine program. Here's Prime Minister Scott Morrison. We expect uh, that this will require some changes. Uh, to the arrangements we have as part of the vaccination rollout. Uh, And this includes when we might expect uh, first doses ultimately to be able to be offered to all Australians. While the advice has changed, Health Department Secretary Brendan Murphy says the risk of the rare blood clot is extremely low, but a cautious approach is a sensible one. At an abundance of caution, given that this syndrome seems to occur mainly in younger people for whom the risk of severe covid is not so great that there is a basis to have a preferred recommendation for those under 50. It's not yet known how Australia will source the Pfizer jabs and there are now doubts all adult Australians will receive their first jab by October as originally promised by the federal government. But medical experts say Australians under the age of 50 who have already received their first AstraZeneca vaccine do not need to worry. Here's Chief Medical Officer Paul Kelly. People that have had their first dose of the COVID-19 AstraZeneca without any serious adverse events can safely be given their second dose. This includes adults under the age of of 50. The latest setback is set to be top of the agenda as National Cabinet meets today. Meantime, some very promising news on the COVID front out of the UK today. Scientists from the University College London say their modelling shows Britain is just days away from a herd immunity milestone, where enough resistance to coronavirus through vaccination and previous infection is built up in the community to stop the spread of COVID. Latest data shows infection rates have dropped about 60% in March. Here is UK Secretary of Health Matt Hancock on Sky News we're seeing that the vaccine is working. It's breaking the link between cases and deaths. The number of people dying from COVID halved again just in the last nine days uh, since I last spoke to you and is down 98% from the peak. So far, more than 60% of adults in the UK have had their first dose. Also making news this Friday morning, women's advocacy groups are welcoming Canberra's response to the Respect at Work report. The federal government says the report is a game changer and it will accept its 55 recommendations either wholly or in principle. Brad Chilcock from White Ribbon says it's a step in the right direction. It all comes down to implementation, but there's some very encouraging signs, including MPs and judges being uh, included in the accountability. Um, And yeah, we really look forward to seeing how the government ensures that all of these recommendations are fully put into place. 
And get your woolies ready for this weekend with a polar blast set to hit Australia's south over the next few days. After a warm Easter long weekend in many parts of the country, Sydney, Melbourne and Hobart are in for a shock with rain and freezing temperatures on the way. In Melbourne, it's set to drop to 15 degrees and Hobart is set to get to 13 and the mercury will drop to just zero in the nation's capital on Sunday morning. For a look at what else is making news around the country this Friday morning, firstly to New South Wales, and pressure is growing on the state government to reopen an investigation into the deadly Luna Park fire in the 1970s that killed seven people, including six children. Our reporter, Siobhan Caulfield, has the details from Sydney. Yeah, Tash, there's a chance we'll get a second inquiry into the deadly Luna Park ghost train fire. Seven people, including six children, died in the horror blaze in 1979. Police determined very early on that the blaze was caused by an electrical fault, but the initial inquest delivered an open finding. The state government has now confirmed it's considering a fresh probe after the ABC uncovered new evidence, alleging the fire was orchestrated by underworld figure Abe Saffron and covered up by corrupt police. Premier Gladys Berejiklian says if her family were victims in this tragedy, she would want the investigation to be reopened. We've heard the plight of families and uh, and I can I can confirm that parts the relevant parts of the New South Wales government are considering that. To WA now and pressure continues to mount over the state's hospital crisis. It comes after the death of a seven-year-old girl at the weekend. Our reporter Emma Griffiths has more from Perth. Tash Health Minister Roger Cook remains adamant our health system faces challenges rather than being in crisis. The Nursing Federation has sent the minister a 10-point action plan addressing issues with fast-track recruitment at the top of the agenda. It follows the tragic death of a seven-year-old girl at the weekend. Meantime, Mr Cook remains under fire after claiming it's an exciting time to be in our health system. Australian Medical Association WA President Dr Andrew Miller is appalled by the Minister's comments. I can tell you it's not an exciting time to be an emergency department doctor or nurse. It's not an exciting time to be President of the AMA to be frank with you because I get a lot of distressed people uh, contacting me about the conditions in which they're trying to work, trying to do their best, trying to hold it together and they're worried that someone is going to die. While Fiona Stanley Hospital went back into code yellow again yesterday, meaning they couldn't accept any more patients. And Victorian teachers have expressed concerns about the number of students engaging in a dangerous new trend in schools. A reporter, James Royce, has more from Melbourne. Out of control and at boiling point is how some teachers are describing a big surge in vaping in their schools, with one telling the Herald Sun students as young as 13 are doing it on ovals and in toilets. Now, you might be asking how underage kids are getting their hands on these vaping products. Of course, it's illegal to sell them to under-18s. Well, apparently they need look no further than social media and especially TikTok. Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. Effie, good morning. Your future, your super bill, it was supposed to roll out very, very soon. What is this bill and what are the concerns about its rollout? Yeah, good morning, Tash. Now, basically, this came out of the budget and it was essentially to help 
people's super from dwindling away. And essentially, there were four main changes that were supposed to kick, kick in in less than 90 days, and that is that your super will follow you. So it's like it's stapled to you. Like when you change your job and you take your bank account with you, your super will follow you to stop duplication. There was also supposed to be a comparison tool for consumers to quickly and easily compare their super funds to make sure they're not in a dud. A funds were subject to a performance test. If they were underperforming, they had to write to their members and say, hey, we're underperforming, and greater transparency in how your funds spend your money and where they invest it. Now, yesterday just wrapped up the Senate Economic Legislation Committee two-day of public hearings where a whole group of people, you know, the regulators, the super funds, the unions, the financial groups came together to chat about this. Now, it is a political hot potato, depending on which side of the fence you're sitting on. There's a lot of calls that we are not ready for this. There's lack of detail. Talking to ASA, for example, they're saying that the site, a consumer site is a great idea, but we still don't have a lot of detail around it. Are we ready to roll this out? Now, the committee is due to report back in April 22nd. My tip here for consumers is that we need to take control of our own super now, whether this goes ahead or not. More than likely, it probably will, but in what format? Because each year, about 850,000 unintended multiple accounts occur, and a lot of us have lost our jobs, become re-employed or still looking. So it's important to look after our super. The biggest culprit is fees. We pay $30 billion a year on a 200000 balance. That's around 2600 if you're paying 1.3%. My tip here is grab your super fund out, look at your fees, divide it by your balance, times it by 100, that will give you a percent. On a balanced fund, you want it less than 1%. That's a good fund. That's a great tip. Now, moving on to the ATO, it's almost that time of year, again, the end of the financial year, and you've got some interesting new information about what the ATO is revealing about its red flags for this financial year. Yes, so I've reached out to the ATO just to have a look and see what are the red flags? What are you going to be looking at? And it is just under three months away and a lot of us will probably be thinking or trying to get our documents together and so on. So in no particular order, this is what they've come back to me with. First up, they will be looking at the cost of working from home. The ATO is going to be looking to make sure people have kept a record, A, and B, that they haven't claimed for expenses that were already covered in the shortcut method. Now, remember, a lot of us are probably applying that shortcut method that came out because of COVID. That's where you simply add up the number of hours you worked from home and times it by 80 cents. Now, you've got to remember, this includes all your expenses like your phone, your internet, your electricity, your depreciation on the computer. So it's important you don't claim more. That's what they'll be looking at. If you don't like the 80 cent rule, maybe talk to an agent and find out the other methods you can do it by. Now, second up, the ATO says it's going to pay close attention to capital gains tax this year. The reason being, of course, is because, you know, the markets have been on fire. People have jumped into cryptocurrency, they're saying, they're looking at that and they're looking at traditional property and shares. So if you sold any assets this financial year, be sure you know where you stand because the ATO is looking at that. And finally, the ATO says that it will look at landlords to make sure that they've got their records in order and making sure that if you do have an investment property, you are claiming the right expenses, um, for example, your mortgage expenses, and also, more importantly, you're claiming that rental income. And uh, it's worth getting this right because I guess uh, when you look at what was last year's average tax return, $2,728, that's not a bad sum to come into your inbox. Some excellent advice as always, Effie. Thank you. Thank you.
Sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett Benji Marshall turned back the clock, helping South Sydney beat the Broncos last night. Yeah, he was great last night. Uh, good morning, Tash. What a luxury to have coming, well, not off the bench. Last night he was into the starting side. Cody Walker out suspended, partnering Adam Reynolds, and there's been a lot of attention on Adam Reynolds in the past few weeks and his future. He was great as well, Adam Reynolds. He launched a 43-metre bomb that was the NRL's first ever two-point field goal. Back on Benji, though, crossing for the first try, created another in the second half. And his coach, Wayne Bennett, says that they certainly cope pretty well without Walker, who was suspended, as we mentioned. Always coach teams to play with what we've got, not what we haven't got. I don't think anybody looked over their shoulder if Cody wasn't there this week. And we all know what a wonderful player he is for us and what he brings to the team, but we had to get on without him. Now, at the Broncos, Kevin Walters says that uh, he's still figuring out figuring out his best halves combination. Tom Dearden was benched with seven minutes to play for Brodie Croft, and he says it's a juggling act working out how much of the load that Dearden can carry. Trying to get our head around is what's best for the long-term future, not only of, of Tommy, but also, you know, the Broncos. We've got a lot of faith in, in Tom and what he can bring to the footy side. Just at the moment, given the situation that the team's in, it's making a bit harder for him to, to develop his skills and be the player that, that he can be. Tonight, Manly goes searching for its first win of the season against the Warriors. Then we've got the unbeaten Panthers hosting the Raiders in an absolute blockbuster. So a couple of good games to look out for tonight as well. Cannot wait, Brett. Now to the AFL and Buddy Franklin stepped up for the Swans to haunt the Bombers once again last night. Yes, he absolutely loves playing against Essendon as well. More goals against them than any other club. He was rested against the Tigers the week before. Kicked three last night. His third was the most important, though. Gave them a 10-point lead. That was just enough breathing room to hold on for a three-point victory where the Bombers kicked a goal with 90 seconds to play to make that game very interesting. Of course, the Swans were unbeaten, but this was their biggest test of the season. They found themselves 25 points down. They lost Isaac Kenny to a broken hand in the second quarter. Uh, coach John Longmire says that they showed plenty of heart. Yeah, I, I think that's the most pleasing thing out of it. You just you, you get behind, you, you're scrapping along, you're probably not, you know, you're finding it a different way to win. So for the Bombers, they're taking plenty of positives out of that result. Let's hear from their coach, Ben Rutten. A big part of the game is being able to get the marks and being able to use, use the ball by foot. So we were trying to be pretty tight on our defence and I think we, we did that pretty well. Basha Hawley's back for the Tigers tonight. They play Port Adelaide. They have dropped a few players, including uh, Josh Caddy, though. So that will be a uh, another big match in the AFL tonight against two teams that played in a prelim final last year and that was a close result. So expecting another tight contest tonight at the Adelaide Oval. So much sport. Brett, so little time to the golf. Finally, the Masters is underway in the US this morning with five Aussies in the field. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Mark Leishman wasn't a share of the lead earlier this morning at four under par. He has dropped to uh, two under par now, so he's one shot off the lead. We're still uh, going through the first round uh, at the moment. Of course, there is no Tiger Woods. He'll be watching this from home. He's out of hospital now, as we mentioned yesterday. A couple of the other Aussies up on the leaderboard. Cameron Smith, finishing runner-up last year behind Dustin Johnson. Johnson is at one over par. And uh, Matt Jones, uh, not too far behind at two over. Cameron Smith uh, is only four holes into his first round. So um, that is live this morning at Augusta National. And uh, one of, along with the British Open or the Open Championships, as the golf aficionados like to call it, the two biggest majors in the world of golf. So we're watching that over the weekend. We will indeed. Brett, thank you very much. Thanks, Tash. 
Checking the weather details around the country now this Friday morning and some warmer temperatures today before that big freeze hits. Brisbane, sunny and 31 today. Sydney, partly cloudy, 29. Early showers, 17 for Melbourne. Partly cloudy and 24 for Canberra. Shower or two on the way for Hobart, just 15 today. Partly cloudy and 22 for Adelaide. Partly cloudy conditions also expected for Perth and Darwin. And a new poll has confirmed that people want Prince William to take the throne. The royal is the preferred monarch, with Brits wanting him to become king over his dad Charles when Queen Elizabeth's reign ends. Almost half of respondents want Wills to take over, compared to just 27% for the Prince of Wales. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. And we'll see you bright and early on Monday. Listener.